neighbors. Welcome to the Finger Guns Podcast. This is episode 205. My name is Roscoe, ain't you heard? And I'm joined by Yog Dog. Good evening. I'm not even going to try and do an appropriate voice for that one. I, I'm terrible at voices. <laughs> hello, hello. Hello. Uh, hello. Hi. <laughs> oh, that was weird. God. Oh, God, man. I felt like I got took over, taken over by Ted Lasso. It was very strange. Uh, I'm okay. How is How Ted Lasso? I've never watched it. Ted Lasso is absolutely spectacular. So it's, it's, um... you'd recommend? Oh, yeah. It's the reason I have an Apple TV Plus subscription. And the irony of that, of course, is that Ted Lasso ends on Wednesday. So once that's over, um, yeah, I am out. Me and Apple are breaking up because I see no reason at all to keep it. <laughs> other than that, <laughs> Didn't FIFA do a Ted Lasso DLC or something? They did. AFC Richmond are in um, FIFA, and as is Ted Lasso. It's uh, a wonderful thing. That is pretty cool. Yeah, it is pretty cool. How are you, man? Yeah, pretty good, pretty good. Uh, I've had a you busy week. Stop out. <laughs> yes. Uh, so I, I, everyone listening, I, I went out last night. And I got a little bit drunk. Um, uh, yeah, I, I had a little bit too much cider. I had a shot of sambuca, and I even tried some Guinness. And I don't know how anyone can drink Guinness. It was horrible. Um, but yeah, it was a fantastic night. Uh, it's the first like bank holiday. Day or the night out I've had in literal years, so it was a wonderful time, and uh, I I was feeling the effects this morning. It's fair to say, <laughs> that's great, man. I did a night out. That's awesome. Yeah, um, yeah. but yeah, you talk shit about Guinness again, and you're going to be off the pub for the rest of your life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I guess that would uh, that wouldn't go down too well with some people. It is, I, I think, it's an acquired taste, but it has a unique. Um, place in my heart because it's just one of those things that I I can drink and drink and drink and not really feel the effects until like the next day but it's one of those ones that isn't an immediate like whoa I'm feeling a bit uh, it's quite an easy thing to to neck is uh, is Guinness I think the equivalent for me would be something like Copperberg specifically the mixed fruit but we had the tropical Mm. mixed fruit last night for the first time that was great it was really nice um, my my copperberry taste is hardcore. Fifteen year old girls, which is strawberry and lime. <laughs> Love that one. <laughs> strawberry and lime's great. Uh, I, it used to be my favorite, and I still have a sweet tooth, but not quite as much as I used to. So mm. I still drink it occasionally, but I've kind of migrated to the mixed fruit, which is still quite sweet, but not quite as sweet. Um, but yeah, it's cider, any cider, I'll drink. Uh, like a lot of aspals, uh, all strongbow, dark fruit, etc. Like, uh, if it's cider, I'll probably drink it. Well, on behalf of everyone in Somerset, you're welcome. <laughs> and joining us is, of course, the mighty FFG himself, Sean Davies. Howdy. Hey there, man. How are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm just, I was taken aback by the Guinness Insider chat. Mm. Um, as, as someone from Stoke, it's either Khan or Stella. And um, <laughs> you can, you know, I'm kidding. <laughs> That's uh, it. No other that. options. No, no. There's only two pumps in every pub. <laughs> <laughs> what will you have? I'll have a pint of what? Of beer. And that's it. That's all you get. Um, yeah, no, I'm I'm good. I'm good. I want to tell you a quick story. Um, which Please. Is specifically geared towards you, Ross. Oh. Um so this morning, woke up, made the kids breakfast, decided, what a beautiful day outside. I will go and wash my clothes. 
did a wash of the towels because I didn't know why I did that and then hung them out on the line and I don't know how but between going outside to do that and coming back inside I'd managed to get a spider's nest on my leg oh god um, so oh I'm, no 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 so, no no so I'm 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 wearing shorts and I don't notice I lie down um and about 10 minutes later I'm like huh what's that on my leg and there are at least 50 tiny little spiders all over ah! my fucking leg. So, so I slap my leg, I stand up, I shake, I run around the house a little bit, making very lovely little squeals. Um, <laughs> and then I decide to set myself on fire. I quite literally had it. I, I, but ever since then, like, I cannot stop itching. So if you hear in the background, uh... just, you know, I really kind of want to set the house on fire because despite my slapping, I'm sure that some survived. But, you know, um, the, the slapping, the, the shower, there's going to be some survivors in the house. Um, but yeah, I don't think I'll ever quite recover from looking down at my leg and seeing more spider than leg hair, which was, yeah. That's the quite worst thing I've ever heard. I, I'm just sat here rocking in my seat, like, uh, <laughs> no. um, oh. See, now I'm, now I'm itching all over. Oh, God. Yeah, that's it. I'm sorry. It's like the ant stories. Every time someone tells me got that ants, I can, I can sit there itching and, oh, God. Um, so yeah, horrid. How are you, Russ? Apart from probably traumatized now for the rest of my life. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm okay. Um, I had a long weekend at work, did a lovely uh 35 hour shift. Um, and uh, yeah, just been home ever since. Uh, caught up with a TV show called The Rookie with Nathan Fillion. Um, this is my current go to, having a lot of fun with it. It's a very sort of light hearted cop show, um, very kind of like NCIS sort of thing. Uh, but it's fun. And so that's been my current binge, really, for the day. I've been catching up with that. And, uh, yeah, things are things are well. I haven't got such a horrid story as yours, John, thank God. And I haven't been out drinking. But, uh, yeah, I've been indoors watching watching American cop shows. So, yeah, that's been my day. Oh, lovely. Not been too bad at all. Not been too bad at all. Um, right then, let's jump into Game of the Week. Uh, Mr. Jonathan Brown, what is your Game of the Week? Uh, my Game of the Week is very niche. Um, it's a game called Strategic I've never heard Command. of it <laughs> exactly hey. uh, it, it's called Strategic Command World War 2 World at War uh, I've been streaming quite a lot of it both on my own and uh, a video game publishers channel but uh, it's basically uh, a war game set funnily enough during World, uh, World War 2 you play as both the Axis or the Allies um, it's kind of like an entry level war game so it's still quite difficult uh, I think for newcomers, uh, it's kind of like those really complicated sort of Axis and Allies tabletop games you see occasionally. Um, so you control units uh, which you initially have on the map. Uh, you can send them to other theatres if you want, or it will take time. Uh, you have both ground, naval, well, both all of ground, naval, and air combat. Um, and just need to try and essentially win the war. I'm not I'm not giving it enough justice, really. Um, but it's it it's got an AI which I've yet to beat, and I've been trying for a couple of years now. Um, so it's it's a game I go back to every now and then. I've really been feeling like playing it in the last week or two. So uh, yeah, I think that's going to be my game in a week. All right, Strategic Command Two: World at War. That's the one. Catchy, I know it's a, it's a very catchy name. <laughs> yeah, nice. 
Uh, Sean, your game of the week, sir. Can I just quickly ask, is there like a catchy, like um, abbreviation to that name that people have adopted? Not as far as I'm aware, although I'll ask around or I'll walk around as well. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's right for a. Are you playing Stigum? <laughs> anyway. I, I, I just call it Strategic Command. And Squaw. That's about it. Squaw. 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 That's it. Um, my game of the week is called Star Trek Resurgence, um, which oh. came out. I believe last week, it's it's a Telltale game, and I can't believe I'm saying this, but yeah. So essentially, um, the guy twenty or so people from Telltale all kind of kept together after Telltale finished, and they've gone off and made a Telltale game together with all of the hallmarks of a Telltale game just in one game, rather than being episodic. It's it's all just one thing, and um, it's it's brilliant. I'll be honest, Lovely. I. Yeah, yeah. Even I, I imagine even people who don't like Star Trek, they will get something out of it. But it does really respect and honor those Trekkies who spent, you know, even you know, Next Generation, the original series. It's got it's got something in them in the the, the game for everybody. And yeah, it's it's essentially you know, the characters. It doesn't show something will remember this at the top of the screen. But it, it does show little, you know, you, you make choices to influence the story. While it will end up at the same kind of destination, you'll have different outcomes depending on, on your choices. Hmm. And it's, it's you know, genuinely one of my favourite games of this year so far. Um, it's up, up there with Star Wars, um, Born Jedi, Order, whatever the hell it's called. Um, and I just... If if you like Star Trek or if you like Telltale games, I highly advise giving this a go. And that's right. my game of the week. You, oh, Roscoe, much my... yours. Um, uh, what have I played this week? Fortnite. Uh, yeah, I'm in the last week of Fortnite now, leading up to the next uh, season. Um, so I just did level 200. The battle pass is 100% complete, and yeah, now just waiting for this next season, and I'm very excited for the next season. Um, if the rumors are true, um, it's uh, going to be hype. What What are the rumors? Autobots roll out. They're just robots in disguise. Yeah, freaking Optimus Prime, buddy. Come on. Oh man. Um, yeah, it's it's going to be great. But that means it opens the door to like to others. You know, there'll be Bumblebee, Megatron. You know, it's gonna be fun. Yeah, but I, 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 I want for me to go back to Fortnite. Fortnite needs to do something better than just put more skins on more people. What does it need to do? I don't know. Just like some something that's that's not. I, I, I'll be honest with you. I think my my time with Fortnite is probably done. Um, because maybe even my should, kids. Maybe it should turn into an RTS. <laughs> I I would I would play it if, if if it did something different mechanically, um, but it's just that you know even even my kids they my kids have completely divorced it and started playing Apex Legends, um, so it's yeah. just it's just wild. Yeah, um, it's I mean I'm 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 way too deep now I can't stop, but uh, I think 
It has grind rails now. That's pretty cool. Oh boy! Yeah. Welcome to 2009. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Sunset Overdrive. <laughs> and and I just did. I mean, you know, obviously you're not getting bored of it, but do you feel it was like a, a an addiction or a compulsion at this point, rather than do you actually sit down and get get enjoyment out of it? Um, I see it as the same way that you see Ubisoft games. I think, in the sense that, right, I've got a battle pass. I want to complete this battle pass. And it gives me something to do. It gives me something to focus on. Um, whether it be getting to 100, getting to 200. You know, it gives me like, I've got this now. I might as well finish it up. Get all the characters, get all the bling and the emotes and whatever. And, you know, finish it up. And then I get, and then I, something pops up and I get excited about the next one. So it's um, it's one of those things where, it is just a it is a completionist thing for me, and I think that's it's my game for that purpose. I don't go out every single game wanting to get a royale. I'm not. I'm not, I don't do that anymore. I'm, I'm all about completing challenges, getting as far as in, into the battle pass as I can, and uh, doing it that way. And then if I get a royale on the way, then that's just a bonus, you know. Fair enough. So it's essentially therapy in a game. Pretty much. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. And Lord knows I need that right now. You know what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> let's let's dive into that, Ross. That's uh, no, a, a different podcast. We'll do that another day. Fair enough. We'll fair do enough. that another day. Um, all right, then. Uh, there's no quiz this week. Obviously, Mr. Mars once again um, is not gracing for this presence. Um, so we're going to jump straight into the news. And first up, it's Gollum. Um, Lord of the Rings Gollum, if you may or may not realize, um, came out to, well, not much of a fanfare, shall we say. Um, it was a little bit broken. Um, we can testify to that ourselves. We had a review copy long before the embargo. Um, Greg wasn't able to play the game because it just crashed continuously um, until we found a lovely, lovely fix. Um, and then we got there, but of course, now we actually have to play the game. So our review is late. It is coming, hopefully, but by the end of this week, um, the game will be complete and we'll get the review up. But um, yeah, essentially, Gone was broken. Didn't come out to very good reviews. And now the developer has put out a little thing on Twitter, as they do, and have and have basically said they apologize for the underwhelming experience with the final game this week. Following several delays, co-publishers Nacon and Daedalic released the game this week for consoles and PC, and it was met with unanimously negative reviews. It is so far the lowest rated game of the year on the sites like Metacritic and OpenCritic, with The Guardian calling it a derivative, uninteresting, and fundamentally broken action-adventure that fails to capture anything interesting about Tolkien's fiction. Um, the company have said, we deeply regret that the game did not meet expectations and pledge to improve it in future updates. We would like to sincerely apologize for the underwhelming experience many of you have had with the Lord of the Rings Garden upon its release. We acknowledge and deeply regret that the game did not meet the expectations we set for ourselves for our dedicated community. Please accept our sincere apologies for any disappointment this may have caused. Our goal as a studio and as a passionate Lord of the Rings fans have always been to tell a compelling and immersive story-driven adventure. Crafting a story with Middle-earth as our playground has been the greatest honour and the biggest challenge we have faced so far. We understand that a game's success relies on the enjoyment and satisfaction of its players. We generally value your feedback and I've been actively listening to your voices, reading your comments and analysing the constructive criticism and suggestions you have provided. So, uh, yeah. The question isn't necessarily really about Gollum. It's about these endless 
developer apologies that we're getting either on the day one of release or a few days later once people have had time to get them. We've already had four fairly major ones um, this year, and they don't seem to be stopping anytime soon. Um, so I guess my question is, are the developers, should they have to apologize for this to the players? Do they owe the players anything? Should the game be in better conditions when they come out? I mean, that, that's probably a given, but yeah. Do, the, do they really owe the players apologies as if they are the players' slaves or somewhat? Uh, Yog Dog, what's your take on this? I think individual developers don't, but certainly the company as a whole does. Um, I know companies have definitely downsized over the years the amount of QA testers and teams they have, which means they're not able to catch a lot of problems for games, but uh, there's having a, missing a few problems here and there, and then there's core intrinsic problems uh, which are present in something like Golem. I mean, I think anyone could boot up that game and see there's huge issues with it. The the best thing about that game is the memes. <laughs> it's like literally the only positive about the game is the huge amount of memes which have sprung up around it. In terms of um, whether the developers actually uh, need to be held to account for this or individual developers, no, but the companies as a are meant to provide a good product um, and they've not done that in this case and that's become an increasing trend in modern gaming and customers aren't happy with it. I think customers are entirely justified in uh, how angry they're getting because like you said this isn't the first apology letter and generally they're all fairly cookie cutter responses. If you look at a bunch of them stacked against each other the they all say the same thing in general. It, it's a worrying trend. Um, I don't condone anyone go around, going out and abusing people. Like I've seen plenty of stuff on Twitter where uh, like abuse has been hurled at staff from uh, staff who are involved with these companies, both social media or like lead designers and all sorts. And that's not on, but. I think people are just getting tired of games being broken on release and saying, "Well, we knew it has. Well, we know it has problems. We'll get them fixed. Well, why release it in that state? Uh, why wasn't it caught beforehand? You've either not employed enough QA to catch those problems, mm. or you've willfully ignored them. And I think people are getting tired of that. Yeah, yeah, and it's happening just." A lot, especially with the especially with major studios as well, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I mean, we all know the iconic bright yellow of Cyberpunk. Um, when you see that on our Twitter feeds, we're like, oh god, what now? Yeah. Um, you know, it's just a it's almost like we're waiting for the the, the apology thing to come out. Uh Sean, uh sort of same question really. Um, where are the the the, the developers stand in terms of what they owe to players and what players expect from them? Um, I would say that it's a very tricky environment right now in games because I think customers absolutely have a right when they buy a game to expect a game to be to be working and to have a, as few bugs as physically possible. When games will never be completely bug free, they'll always have edge cases because that's just the you know the 
the way of software development as a whole, there are always bugs. You, you know, in Windows, there are bugs. You know, there's, there, there are things that you cannot avoid. But I do think that the industry over the last couple of years has gone has gone has undergone a massive shift in the way that they are made, primarily moving to kind of either hybrid or remote working. And that a lot of these things um may be suffering. And I of course no one ever wants to release a bad game um or, or a game that's received poorly, but there are billion reasons why these things can can go wrong so in in this case i genuinely think that actually the developers did what they did that you know what what they could with with what money they had in within their budget and that the game was going to release with in whatever state it was in and the idea is that actually you know they will try and fix what they can fix but actually they they have milestones and and goals that they have to hit and if they don't hit them, then the developers get, you know, less money per, per delay. So in, in this instance, you know, that they they may have released a bad game. That game may never be a good game. Um, and with a name like or Lord of the Ring or Lord of Ring, as it says in the in the official apology, the game is described as the Lord of Ring Gollum. <laughs> the fact that even the game couldn't be written right in the apology is is tantamount to the fact that you know we, we have a di- very difficult situation on our hands with not a lot of quality checking going on um but you know i i feel for all of these developers that have been involved in this the probability is that all of these bugs were caught in qa all of the feedback that they've already had post-release was stuff that they already had um but actually sometimes that's just the, the way of games you know they they had a very ambitious project that they just could not come through on, you know. You look at and, and a lot of these apologies come from the the ambitiousness of games. You look at Cyberpunk and what they tried to do, and it, you know, quite a lot of the apologies come from wanting to shoot for the stars and ending up, you know, not quite there, but you know, sometimes way wide of the mark. And and like I say that there are a million reasons why that can be, and, and part of that might be. Remote monitor, remote working. You know, having to go, you know, trying to get someone on a Teams call where you could just walk over to a desk previously. Teams meetings where people can sit quietly and not take the, you know, take the onus on on things. There's a lot of things that are, that have changed in the industry, and we are likely going to see a lot of these apologies moving forward, because that's just the way that it, the industry is now. Um, but people people should be calling for higher quality. Because if you're going to, you know, part with between fifty and seventy pounds, you should expect a game of that value. You know, if you're going to spend ten pounds and you're going to get a bug riddled, poorly designed thing, you're like, well, I spent ten pounds on it. But if you're going to spend seventy pounds, you know, like some people did with, you know, Star Wars and and the the bad porting of the PC version or the the under optimization of the PC version, then, you know people will get angry and, and the developers should fix it. Um, but, you know, it's it's only within whatever resource they have available. And in, and for Gollum's case, I don't think that was, I don't think those resources were endless. I think, you know, essentially they probably had a list of, a very long list of bugs that they were able to reproduce and just hope that, you know, people wouldn't come across them. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a, it's a sad state of affairs, but that, I think that's where we're at. Yeah. 
Yeah, it is strange. I mean, I just go I just go back to the fix that we were told about. Um <laughs> when we emailed the, the PR team we're having like major issues with Gollum. Are we allowed to share what they said? We've already gone, can't we? Um they said, um, turn off the hair physics. Okay. <laughs> Greg oh, turned I off shouldn't laugh so much, yeah. but it's no, just Greg... funny. It's great. Greg turned off the hair physics and he had no crashes. It was like the game was almost completely fixed. And that's that's video games for you, man. I mean, that's just, it's an unbelievable thing. Yeah. It's it, it's always the least the thing that you least expect, isn't it? <laughs> um you can just you can imagine them finding that back at the studio, can't you? Going like, oh maybe maybe like turn off the hair or something, see if that works. Um Wow, it's working, it's working. <laughs> I mean, I think it's worth stressing that a video game is a collection of people's work, hope, and dreams, and like literally dozens, sometimes hundreds of people have worked on everything from physics to uh, to AI to and anything can go wrong. And you're never going to get a perfect video game where you've got rid of all the bugs. Yeah, um, yeah they're always going to be present. But... When when people say you know, why why you sit into video game, why do you love video games, like. It's for these reasons, is because it is a minor miracle that they even exist in the first place. And when I have one in my hands, I'm like, it's absolutely unbelievable that this thing works at all. Um, the sheer amount of calculations and complications that go on to make Gollum move forward and backwards and left and right, and the camera to move independently whilst I'm moving around, you know, the sheer number of things that is going on in the game at that moment, just to just for just to allow me to do that is incredible. And so when, you know, when game developers actually put a game out, it's like I said on that radio interview, you know, it's like it is an unbelievable achievement regardless of the final product. Um, and I will always stand by that. I, I always believe that. And so when when bugs do occur that are this big, unfortunately, take this much of a toll on, on the video game itself, um, you know, reviews and people's interest in the game has to be has to be low, and that's unfortunate. But that seems to be just the way it's just just the way it is. And you know, I do hope that Gollum gets fixed up, and Lord of the Rings fans can can find something in there to enjoy. Um, I was I was this isn't really interesting me, and never has done. Um, because I find Gollum quite a repugnant character to even make a video game about. I don't really understand how this even happened in the first place when there's so many other cooler characters in Lord of the Rings to base a game on. But um, this is this is just a um, you know. It's another one for the list of like wait till don't get it on day one. Wait until wait a few months down the line. And that's you know, it's not something that we should be kind of like nailed on in video games. It's not something to be proud of. It's not it's like, you know, you should be able to buy the game that you want to buy day one without any issues. And you know, I think we can look at the likes of Tears of the Kingdom to go, wow, okay, you know, um, it's not bug free by any means, but it is a complete package and it is less than Gollum in a store if you go and buy it 10 pound less 50 pound less or something and you know those are the differences you know paying 70 pounds for a game that is that broken and that bug ridden is a really you know it's 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 not fair and you know the developer should be aware of it but at the same time i don't also feel like the developers should be slaves and apologizing for it because you know the work that they had to do to even make the game stable and work in any capacity is quite amazing and so yes it should be in a better state for sure but i don't know i don't know if it's down to the developers i think it's more down to 
more down to the overall quality testing and the publishers that had to get it out um, for that. Mr. Davies. Yeah, I, I just wanted to add to what you were saying. Um, and, you know, you look at Tears of the Kingdom or Tears of the Kingdom, I'm still not entirely sure which is right. Um, but, you know, Nintendo said that the, the game was essentially content complete 12 months before release and they delayed the game for an entire year to add polish and fix bugs. Yeah. Which it's just is like, you know, a lot of a lot of gamers out there have been like, see, this is how you do it, you know, and, and half the industry went, excuse me? Like what how many studios have a year's worth of money to employ an entire staff to add well, polish yes, of to course. the game? <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it's like my game is complete. Okay, it'll come out in exactly a year's time. And I will not, you know, sell a single copy for the next year. It, it, it's crazy. Um, but you know, that's just the way of the industry now, isn't it? People don't have that kind of money outside of the biggest studios, and it's, yeah. you know, please don't expect that to be the solution because that that cannot be. <laughs> that really can't. No, I mean, you look at you look at Jedi Survivor. Um, one could argue that probably may have been able to have a few more months in the oven um, before it was released. Um, due to the the nature of the studios and the publishers involved, um, but no, Gollum and the likes of what well, even Saints Row. I mean, Saints Row is now with a much smaller team than it was before. Excuse me, and you know, yeah, that came out as a buggy mess as well. But it also came out as a game that wasn't actually that good overall. You know, so it needed more time for a lot of different reasons. But yeah, you're right. I mean, in indie studios and smaller smaller studios do not have the capital to squash out bugs for a year. Um, they need to get the game out. They need to start making money on the game that they're making. And yeah, you're right. But then, you know, it is, Nintendo would always be the outlier in that because they take such unbelievable fine-tuning to another level. You know, I remember playing Super Mario Odyssey and it was just, uh, it was just a glorious experience. You know, there was just, just nothing wrong with it. And that's just Nintendo. But like you say, Nintendo have got the time and the money to do that. They don't need to make money off Tears of the Kingdom immediately. Switch is still selling the whole case. Breath of the Wild is still selling like absolute crazy numbers. You know, so it's uh, it's always going to be there. They're still living off that Animal Crossing money, which they invested very little back into, um, because in my opinion, that was very short of content and DLC, which they probably could have done for their forty-eight million fucking copies of that game that they sold. But um, you know, what I'm saying is they come out perfect and they come out bug free to to a point and they have that time so yeah sean's sean's yeah it's a very important point to, to make uh but it is only the major studios but you know again jedi survivor might be a bit of an outlier in that in that argument but we'll see if it's if it's gotten any better i don't know i had very few problems with jedi survivor i think you were one of the lucky ones because <laughs> I, I I genuinely until I'd finished the game and I was about fifteen hours into like clearing up all the other crap. I genuinely had no issues, no frame rate issues, no glitches, no nothing. And then I started to see little bits of what you know Greg was complaining about, what Toby was complaining about, and occasional slowdown. But and and towards I revisited Coruscant at the end and fell through the floor. I'm like I I get it, I could get it now. If I'd had this earlier in the game, I might have been the same. But I managed to complete the game without any issues at all, and I was—I I genuinely feel lucky 
that I got to experience that the way that I did because mm. you know I, I one of the one of my best favorite games of this year um and yeah it's it's wild and it's especially when you consider like how, how it went on pc where people with specific graphics cards just couldn't play the game while others with lesser powered graphics cards were like running it absolutely fine which <laughs> it's, yeah. it was one of those times when it benefits from being cheap on, on your on your components so yeah um wild industry wild and there's that question of optimization on PC as well for Gollum. Because if, if you wanted to play it in 4K, you needed a 4090 RTX graphics card. Insanity. Which yeah, I'm assuming not, only about casual. 10 people have. Yeah, <laughs> uh, about 1,500 quid for a 4090. Yeah. Yeah, I'm very happy with my 3060. I'm going to keep that for the rest of my life, I think. I'm still on my 1080 Ti. Nice. I, I really need to upgrade in the next year or two. But um, it's funny you mentioned, Sean, about Jedi Survivor, uh, not having too many problems with it. I had a similar thing happen to me with Cyberpunk. I actually didn't have any issues, really, other than like there was a couple of items I couldn't pick up uh, when I played through Cyberpunk when it released on PC. So I was, I was quite lucky at that stage as well. Yeah, Paul had no issues with Cyberpunk either. Do you know what platform he was playing on? PS. Five. Nope, Google Stadia. Oh, okay. Because Google Stadia obviously runs off Max PC servers. Yeah. And his version of Cyberpunk was like the best version you could possibly play. Um, he was just streaming it instead of playing it, you know, from a hard drive. Uh, rip Stadia. And we were, we were like, we we're all tearing our hair out in the Slack, going, "Cyberpunk's broken. I can't do this. I can't do that." And short, and Paul's like, "I'm having a fucking great time, guys. I don't know what you're talking about." <laughs> it was like, "Come on, man!" That was the best impression. Just Thanks. absolutely nail Paul. There, well done. I've been working on it for a long time. We've been working on it for a long time. I'm gonna um, that and put it on Twitter just for Paul. <laughs> oh, thanks very much. And don't you fucking lovely, mate? Lovely chappy. Um, right. Talking of Nintendo, actually. Nintendo have blocked the Steam version of the GameCube and Wii emulator, the Dolphin. This is from our man Chris Scullion over at VGC. The team behind the upcoming Steam release of popular GameCube and Wii emulator Dolphin says it's been blocked by Nintendo, and one emulation expert thinks Dolphin is at fault in this instance. In a short statement on the Dolphin website, its creators wrote, It is with much disappointment that we have to announce that the Dolphin on Steam release has been indefinitely postponed. We were notified by Valve that Nintendo has issued a cease and desist, citing the DMCA against Dolphin's Steam page, and have removed Dolphin from Steam until the matter is settled. We are currently investigating our options, and we'll have a more in-depth response in the near future. Now, this brings up the idea again. Nintendo, as we've discussed, are amazing at certain things, and they're terrible at others. Um, others being fan service things, fan games, fan remakes fan art anything that you know tramples on their copyrights but i think this is more the argument of nintendo's attitude to preservation rather than emulation and i think this is where this is going so um sean do nintendo need to be better at their own preservation in order to avoid emulation or does emulation need to stop overall and let these games stay where they belong sort of back in the past um I, th I think emulation and having access to older games is incredibly important for both game developers and gamers in, in general 
because there's there's a hell of a lot you can learn from the likes of Sonic and the early Super Mario games if you are if you're into the the theory of games you know if if and not having the ability to play those games readily on Monday consoles or you know on PC is is really it's really tricky I think if a lot of game theory books if you're in in development references um like especially the early Mario games around the way that they're designed and it's it's really hard to get hold of those games now outside of buying them directly from Nintendo and let's let's just put it in in a legal frame you know Nintendo have the right to pursue anyone that that infringes upon any of their copyrights any of their their work and it, it's it's tricky because they do so do it so fervently around anything um so you know if you use you know mario in a thumbnail of your youtube video despite the fact that you're not even playing mario then you know those videos can be copyright striked the probability is that in this instance the the emulator had mentioned a few games that it would be used it could be used to emulate and that those are still owned by people and that essentially someone saw it and went hey this person's going to make some kind of money from from my you know from my creations that's that's not on and they've they've done the strike that might have been nintendo it might have been someone else um but essentially you know that is their right is that right though is that right that they restrict access to their older games so that you essentially have to have access to their you know if you, if you for example if you wanted to play echo the dolphin right now um there are so few examples out there you know ways to play those games and i think it's really important to know where we've come from in in games to see where we're going because people you know people you see regularly now within silicon valley where people are reinventing things that already exist you know like you know, lift inventing reinventing the buzz as some kind of multi-person ride share and you're like oh, it's a buzz um, you know, people putting water in a can and thinking that was innovative. It's it's just water. We've had watering cans before. <laughs> We've had watering bottles before. What is going on? Um, I think in general, I just think that we need to have access to these older games so that we don't end up just doing the same thing over and over again and, and claiming innovation that it's not, you know, like looking back at, at platforms before, auto hang before, you know, Back, you know, Mario 64 and not having that auto hang thing where if you walked off a platform, you just walk off a platform. And 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 kids don't, you know, youngsters these days won't be able to to know what that felt like as, as a game, how much more difficult games were back in the day because these quality of life things didn't exist. And Nintendo are very, very stern on this. And it's a shame. It is their legal right to do so. Um, I just wish that they would actually actively do work of their own to help these things stay um, available and relevant. Because if they don't, then, you know, they're A, leaving money on the table because there are people that are out there that will, that would gladly go out and, you know, be able to, you know, find a way to play Wii games. And if they were to offer it at a small price, then, you know, people would pay. Um, but alternatively, you're essentially losing a part of a part of history, and it's really important that we we 
we know where we're going by looking at the past and building from that and that's what we'll lose over time unfortunately um and it's not just nintendo it's sony too you know so sony are, are pretty pretty bad at this you know they jim ryan's comments about you know nobody wanting to play old games has rankled a lot of people over the years um he's right in some regard because you know 3d sony's back catalog ages are far worse than the most other publishers do you know no one in their right mind is wanting to play the lair again um was it called lair the dragon riding game or haze you know no one no one's wanting to go back and revisit these these games but actually you know not having those as the bad examples means that you know there, there will be another haze there will be another lair yeah. <laughs> so so it's it's just it's just a shame that you know publishers aren't really doing enough to to keep their games relevant and available on on whatever platform that needs to be whether that's pc via emulation or via their own storefronts yeah yeah, I agree completely. Um, your dog is emulation something that you've uh, together with in the past. Do you believe in it, or do you believe in there should be other more official preservation ways coming from these studios? I'm just too stuck on reminiscing about Hayes. What a, uh... what a what a machine! <laughs> uh, I never actually played it. Uh, however, I remember one of my friends back in high school was like, "This is the best game ever," and uh, like. Mm thought it was going to be the start of something huge for Sony and everything, so I'm just reminiscing about those memories now. Um, in terms of the emulation here, I think Sean's basically covered it pretty well. Uh, ideally, there would be methods which would be acknowledged by major publishers, developers. It wouldn't be a problem. I think from a legal standpoint with this one, the sticking point, uh, if I've read it correctly, is that uh, the cryptographic key which is used for the emulator was illegally acquired uh, from Nintendo's BIOS. So that's the entire uh, reason why they're doing this, this lawsuit. And I do think Nintendo have been a little bit trigger-happy with lawsuits in the past, but probably I think they've got a good basis for this one. That said, I don't like it. Um, emulators, I think especially moving forward, uh, are going to be... Uh, it would be nice to have them being more of a thing because we're going to increasingly have more and more systems over time, which it's going to be hard to get hold of, uh, of the games. I mean, just thinking for me, uh, one of my favorite strategy games from the 2000s was, funnily enough, another Lord of the Rings game, uh, Battle for Middle Earth. And uh, you can't get it on Steam, you can't get it on GOG or anything. The only way you can get that is either via physical cop copies of the game or um, or via pirating. Um, and obviously, it, it being on PC, you know, pirating is not the same as using emulators, but if games are difficult to acquire, then people are going to go to the methods which uh, work most for them. And uh, I think emulation, having a more tolerant policy of it moving forward would be beneficial for everyone involved. Um, long term, just uh, I don't know whether that will actually happen, though. I suspect probably not. 
it would be nice to see from an educational perspective because like sean once again said it, it it's very nice you get you can get a lot of game design principles from older games and you can see what positive changes have actually influenced modern gaming through the years um and, and going back to an old game and not having those is a really good way of showing uh, visually or you know just playing it yourself how those changes have been done and how to make a good video game and tools like emulate is probably going to be the one of the easiest ways to do that so ideally there should uh, some accord would be struck in order to achieve it i don't know whether it's going to be possible to do that though um nintendo wants anything that's involved with them they want their money out of it and i'm not sure whether such a deal could be struck certainly not easily so it, it, it's a difficult subject yes they're correct legally but it does leave a bit of a bad taste in the mouth yeah i mean they're doing i think they're doing it well in a way via switch online i mean obviously you've got nez snares s64 Game Boy Advance games out there, but they're being very selective over which games go up. You can't really choose from the full library. You know, you can choose yeah. the games that they upload. And that's fine to an extent. It was fun jumping on there again and playing, you know, Mario 64 and playing Mario Kart again. And, you know, that was always a good laugh. But, you know, it's it's the issue which comes with the games after that. You know, there's a whole, there's a great bunch of games on the GameCube and a great bunch of games on the Wii. You know, some of them, a lot of the Wii stuff is, you know, I'd say 80% of it is trash, but 20% of it is golden. And, you know, we'll probably never see those games again, which is a shame. And, you know, Nintendo seem to be very un unplussed about it, which is, you know, it's their prerogative, I suppose. But it is a shame that certain games sort of will fall under the the radar. And I remember playing, when I was younger, playing the Die Hard trilogy, um, playing that a lot and really... Loving it. I played it on the Sega Saturn, I think. And it was one of those games that I thought would just live forever. In like 20 years' time, I'm still going to be playing because I loved it that much. And I played it again about two weeks ago. Um, and it's just not good. It's just not a good game. And I don't, I can't remember what I loved about it so much. Um, it was, a, it was a fun, you know, light gun kind of shooter for, for a period. And a lot of it was fun, but it was fun back, back then. I don't need, to play that anymore but there are certain people that will love that game still and it would be nice for them to be able to access it whether or not it's available on steam something i'm not entirely sure but yeah i think even if a game is absolute trash it deserves to be um be be able to be accessible yeah uh, damn right bubsy what one person considers trash someone else could ingre could enjoy anyway like people have different likes and uh it's just it would be nice to have the choice to be able to go back and play not necessarily the best or the most popular games but even the more average or even bad ones as well uh, so mm. is there a terrible game from your past that you'd like to have another go at and see if it still remains as bad as you remembered it be uh warhammer mark of chaos which <laughs> of course it's a warhammer game <laughs> it, yeah 
it was meant to be a total war killer, or that's what it was marketed as in 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 some ways, and it was nowhere near. Um, mm. It was still a fun-ish game, had some really big issues, but um, it was it was never it never lived up to what it could have been or should have been in many ways. Um, trying to think of anything else, I can't think of any like crazily bad games I actually played because I didn't get tons of video games. Did that Warhammer game not have a trebuchet? No, at least not nah, as far as, more, as I remember. It did not sport the superior siege weapon. I, I see where you're going here. That's where <laughs> that's, they went wrong. Yeah, that's that's what happened. Damn it. Uh, Sean, can you think of any game from your past that you'd like to see remade for or, or just at least available to see it was as, if it was as bad as you remember? Essentially, like all of the B titles from the PS3 era, um, like I don't know if you remember Folklore, which came out on the PS3 really early days, which was like oh, a okay. Pokemon. It was like a, a Studio Japan had done like an effort at the Pokemon game where you catch different monsters from Folklore and then use them to fight alongside. It was it was it was average at best, um, but I absolutely adored that game. Um, and then like Pain. I don't know if you remember Pain. I um, yeah, I think so. Yeah, like I'm Rings sure about. that's crap. I'm sure that's crap. But I had a lot of fun with it. And like Destruction Derby, like I played Destruction Derby not too long ago, and my memories of that game were, man, this is fun. And then on replaying it, going, oh my god, this is shit. Yeah. But <laughs> you know, it's 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 a, just a keen reminder of of how far we've come as an industry. Where you For know sure. you can play something like, you know, The Last of Us compared to, you know, just out, you know, one of the Oddworld games, you know, one of those kind of really celebrated platformers against what we have today, mm. and in that night and day in, in comparison in comparison to quality, even even the worst, you know, five out of ten, <laughs> five worst is five out of ten, um, platformer these days, you know, is is decent compared to what we used to have, so. Sure. Uh, I think mine would be Carmageddon 64. Oh my god. Because I remember loving that game. It was Destruction Derby, but it was just horrifically violent. Like an 80 rated version of Destruction Derby. Oh and it was, oh. it was it was great, but I imagine it would it'd be terrible now. The N64, right. I think it suffers from this that early PlayStation thing of having very dodgy 3D that doesn't look as great as we remember. Did you, did you play the Carmageddon remake or, or reboot? No, I didn't. There, there has been one. Oh my! And you won't like it. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. <won't. laughs> um, but you know, if you ever want a reminder of how how weird those games were, like it was towing around some kind of mace at the back, which <laughs> yeah, had I had, I had a thing on the front of my car called the Scooper. That thing was awesome. <laughs> the the only vehicle I can remember from that game was like the red one with the kind of snow plowy bit that would look like a V, like a blade on the front. Yep. Um absolutely uh, brutal, but yeah. And that was on the N64. I don't know how they got away with it. Uh because <laughs> God, Nintendo were very strict about uh censorship at the time. And uh yeah, they had to I remember Rare had to beg. For Conquest Bad Fur Day to be even released on the N64. Um, good times back reading the N64 magazine every week, learning all these stupid things that are still in my head 
but I don't know any of my niece's birthdays. Anyway, let's move on to Alan Wake 2 is getting a digital-only release. Um, this is again from VGC. Uh, this is... Let me write this one. Tom Ivan. A host of new Alan Wake 2 details have been revealed, coinciding with the news that the game will be released on October 17th, 2023. In, an, in a frequently asked questions, Remedy Entertainment said the game will be digital-only released for multiple reasons. They say, quote, for one, a large number of players have shifted to digital only. You can buy a Sony PlayStation 5 without a disk drive and a Microsoft Xbox Series S is a digital only console. It is not uncommon to release modern games as digital only. Secondly, not releasing a disk helps keep the price of the game at $59.99 and the PC version at $49.99. Finally, we do not want to ship a disk product and have it require a download for the game. We do not think that this would make a great experience either. So, here we go. Physical versus digital again. Remedy taking a stand that, yes, we're going to keep it cheaper. Doesn't sound that much cheaper, but cheaper nonetheless. Um, your dog, are they right? Do you think they've gone on the right road for this one? Uh, it depends on your perspective. Uh, from an ecological perspective, we need to produce less waste and so on. It, so it's good because you've not got the packaging, you've not got the discs and, and so on. So from that perspective, it's definitely a good step forward. But looking entirely from the perspective of the game, I'm not sure it is. Uh, yes, a lot of people are increasingly transitioning over to digital only. I mean, I'm one of them. I can't remember the last time I put a, a disc in to anything. But um, a few of my friends are massive console gamers, certainly far more than I am nowadays. And they... Uh, they pretty much exclusively get discs um, because mm. they can trade them in afterwards uh, or just, you know, give them to their friends or whatever. Uh, they've always got that option with a physical disc. From the perspective of monetary sales, I am kind of surprised that they've gone down this route because I read a couple of reports recently and I've seen a few bits going over on Twitter. It's actually surprisingly high the amount of sales you actually still get from physical sites. Um, like, you know, a game here in the UK and so on. So they're, they're missing out on quite a big market there. And I do question how well it's going to work for them. Um, uh, in terms of the price saving, it's like you said or alluded to, it doesn't sound like a massive price saving. It's To me, that's still quite an expensive game, although I'm stuck on console prices from 15 years ago. Yeah, that's weird. Ago. I mean, it's like, it's like, Instead of seventy pounds, it's sixty pounds. You're welcome. It's like, well, yeah. <laughs> well, still, it's a lot of money. So, I, I can see that it's gonna, they, it's gonna save them the cost. They don't have to make the any of the the cases, the discs, or anything. So they've saved themselves a cost there, sure. But I don't know. I don't know how well it'll work out for them. I'm, I'm I'm genuinely quite surprised, and I'll be really intrigued to see if this is a success for them. I don't think that they're definitely not the first game ever to do it, but it's the first big title I've known in a while um, to go down this route. I'll be very interested to see whether other publishers will follow follow suit. Um, what about both of you? What do you? you well, especially of? as it's a sequel to a game from an era where physical was still the top dog. Yeah. You know, and so if you're following on the series, maybe you want a copy of Alan Wake 2 on your shelf next to your copy of Alan Wake, you know? Um, yeah. It's, 
I understand it. I get it. Um, but you know, I would I'll be getting I've got a digital on any PS5, so I'll be getting digitally regardless. But there are still a lot of people that you know would have liked to probably have a physical copy, and so I don't know, it's interesting. They keep costs down one, I find like I said, I find that a bit weird. It's like, well, you could just release it at 60 pounds, you know. Um, whether or not it's going to look like a seventy-pound game, who knows? The trailer was very impressive visually, uh, but we'll see. Um, Sean, what's your take on this? And you've, and you've pretty much gone digital now this gen. But um, were you surprised by this announcement? Uh, I would say I w- wouldn't say surprised, um, but I, I think this is kind of a sign that this may start to happen to some other games. So I think the profit for physical sales these days is far less than the profit from a digital sale. And I think that Alan Wake 2 is one of those games where people will go out and find it where it is. Do you know what I mean? It's not like you would walk into Tesco and go, oh, Alan Wake 2 is out. I'm going to pick this up with my shopping. I think this is more of a game that you would just, you, you would know about and you would go and buy. So it's going, you know, it's going to attract that that central group of people that are interested in Alan Wake too. Um, that said, um, it is a disappointment that people won't be able to pick up a physical disc, and we've just been on about preservation, which obviously, if you're releasing a digital on the game, means that's even more difficult than than it was previously. From from a lot of perspectives, you know, this is a bad move. Because you know you are ex- ex- essentially excluding a lot of people around the world who don't have access to constant internet or decent internet, especially in places like you know America where you have to pay X amount for X um, you know gig- gigabytes over a period of time. And if the game is big, then the game is big. What, what's really interesting is that this is. I think this is the sign that the big games that have got a really niche, not not a really niche, but a niche audience. So, you know, people aren't going to, people who haven't played Alan Wake or know what Alan Wake is, aren't going to pick a game called Alan Wake because the name A indicates, you know, what? Why would I need to, you know, it's like Alan Partridge is, (laughs) you know, it doesn't tell you anything. It's not, you know, people know who Alan Wake is or they don't. No one's going to pick up that box and go, oh, yeah, cool. Um, so, but but other titles um, will always stay physical, and some some games only exist because of, of their potential as physical games. So, you know, don't expect Grand Theft Auto Six to go digital only, but maybe some other sequels and other games which are targeted a very specific audience. Might do you think go Remedy only. will? Sorry, do you think Remedy will stick with this? I think Control Two and the like will be digital only moving forward. Uh, potentially, I think this is kind of. It still depends on on this one, I guess, because you know I I get the feeling that for them and probably Epic, because I know Epic are involved in some way, shape, or form. Um, you know, it will decide. It will kind of all depend on on how it goes for them, because it, it makes financial sense not to produce box copies and to take an increased percentage from a reduced number of sales. It just means that actually. You know, you, you're not you're not killing yourself with that, are you? Um, but yeah. if it doesn't sell as well as they hoped, um, then then yeah, maybe maybe they won't. But I, I think it's it, it really all depends on on these games, these bigger games. Um, you know, there's there's plenty of digital on the games out there. 
Um, but you know, these big these bigger games, if they start to say it won't be on the shelf in game, it won't be X and Y, you know, then then maybe maybe that might be a turning point for the entire industry. We'll have to see. Um yeah. but, but you know, th- there are some games that only make a profit when they go physical. You know, you look at super rare games and the amount of indie games that that that, that sell five thousand copies on whatever store they're on, and then they get a, a limited release of like forty thousand copies and they sell out. So, yeah. you know, it's it it makes sense to do it in that instance, but we'll we'll see. Yeah, it could get to a point where it's only cotton FIFA on stores in game in the next few years. Yeah, well, I mean, and the thing is that I mean, you, you could see it. You know, mm. it w- it would only be the biggest of game because let's be honest with you, especially if retailers are, are you know are dying off left, right, and center, and you know that that leaves supermarkets and toy shops, and you know the the, the sheer number of people that would be going out to buy Alan Wake two. You know, in Smiths or Tesco would be would be very small. It would make very little sense to them to do it, but definitely COD, definitely you know FIFA, definitely Madden in America, definitely Farming Simulator in Germany. <laughs> 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 but but that's about it. You know, that's mm. there's only a couple of games where you think hundred percent would never go digital, but yeah. um, we'll see. Very interesting, isn't it? It's like, yeah, brave new world. I, I like, I, I just wanted to say around the price. So, I'd seen that they what, what they were quoting was like $59.99 in dollars, which is 49 quid. Um, which I, I think is actually pretty decent for a console game. And and the, the PC version will be will be $39.99 in, in well, they did say $59.99 in the US and $59.99 in the UK. Oh well, so, it's it's saying saying forty nine ninety nine now. Oh, okay, so we were getting stiff then. We're we're uh, yeah. We're, I think they've up, obviously. Okay, cool. Okay, that's <laughs> the pound right. dollar isn't that bad just yet. <laughs> um, so I, I think fifty pounds is like you know old gen money, which I think is 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 a decent rebate on a game which potentially could could sell well. Yeah, yeah, um. Talking of Alan, I mean, I, I I saw the trailer at the um the showcase, and it does look very shiny. Um, very quickly, what did you uh, make of the showcase overall? As, as you were on the uh, the pod, uh, I I loved it, and I can't wait. I really want to replay the original because I don't I, I don't ever think I finished it, but I can't remember. Um, because it all kinds of you know, the Xbox Three Sixty days were a long time ago at this point. Well, <laughs> um. um... Well, Alan Wake gets stuck in the dark world that he was trying to defeat, and they have to get him out of it in this one. Oh, there you go. It, Maybe it reminded me kind of wasn't it? Five ish. Yeah, I mean, for, for for the longest time, my my only memory of Alan Wake was you walk around with a torch. Yeah, I mean that was it. <laughs> yeah, but I remember the ending very well because it was it was awesome. Um, so uh, so yeah, Alan Wake is trapped and. Uh, these new characters seemingly are trying to kind of get him back into the real world. This one well, it's pretty cool. Including Sam Lake, which is just crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, why is Max Payne in this game? No, 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 wait, wait, wait. <laughs> yeah, oh, that poor guy. <laughs> now, where's uh, a series I'd like to see another game in? It's coming. Don't you worry. Oh, it's coming. It's a coming. Um, right then. Uh, this is the last major news, and we'll get on to 
um, an event which Warhog, uh, Warhog, what the hell? Yog Dog went to about Warhammer. That's what I was meant to say. Um, Warhog sounds pretty awesome, though, to be honest. Uh, Yog Dog, I think maybe you should take that on as your new moniker. Yeah, I think that would be a good one. Uh, <laughs> definitely, uh, definitely fits. I think. Anyway, apologies. Um, yeah, uh, but very quickly, um, we one thing we were expecting to see at the showcase was, of course, the Last of Us multiplayer game factions. Um, it didn't see it, obviously. But um, reports have come out since then to say that the game has reportedly been scaled back by the advice of none other than Bungie, who were there um, and showed two games that they're working on. But uh, yeah, Sony uh, didn't bring factions. and But they say Sony have reportedly scaled back the size of the Last of Us multiplayer game factions following an evaluation of the project by platform holder and the newly acquired Bungie. According to, according to Bloomberg... Um, the number of people working on the project has been reduced, partly as a result of the Destiny Studios' feedback as to its quality and viability. Quote, Bungie raised questions about the Last of Us multiplayer project ability to keep players engaged for a long period of time, which has led to a reassessment, the Bloomberg report claims. According to the publications, while the game has not been cancelled, many of its developers have moved on to other projects and a small group remains while Sony reevaluate its direction. Shortly before Bloomberg's report, Naughty Dog seemingly preempted the story with a statement on social media, in which it indicated that the last one multiplayer game would require more time of development. So this is interesting. So um, we knew that Bungie was coming in to kind of oversee the live service stuff coming from Sony. Um, but did you see them going into Naughty Dog and be like, no, you know what? Fashions ain't good enough. Because that that seems quite wild to me. Um, Dog, Dog, what do you think to this one? I think it's just corporate espionage and Bungie <laughs> are just working against Sony here and trying to steal all the funding. Um, I don't know. I I feel that um, it's pretty wild. I can't... Uh, I, I didn't see it coming. I don't think anyone did. Um, it's interesting that Factions is taking so long. Uh, and I don't know why. I, I remember really enjoying the multiplayer mode, which, in fact, I've always enjoyed Naughty Dog's multiplayer. Uncharted 2 had great multiplayer. Um, some of my favorite multiplayer times in any game ever were on Uncharted 2 and in The Last of Us. I never completed the single player, but I had at least a couple of hundred hours in the multiplayer on the uh, PS3 release of The Last of Us. So I've I've always enjoyed their multiplayer. I don't know what's happening with this one. I don't think many people do. Um, it's not a good sign, though, when a large chunk of the development team has moved on to other pastures. It's it doesn't exactly uh, it doesn't exactly send up a, a good good signals about about the game. Um, the fat Bungie have gone in there and be like, nope, this isn't very good, and Sony be like, oh. Okay, uh, well, you go work elsewhere and uh, just keep a couple of you on. Not exactly healthy signs. So I do question, if, if, even if it does get completed, how good it's going to be. And I think it might be one they just, just end up abandoning at some point. Yeah. I mean, it feels like now the factions is even further away than it was before. Um, yeah. 
we knew like even last year on the last of us day um they showed some concept art for it not even screenshots or footage or anything but it's like hmm What's going on there? And now it seems that it's going to be held back even more because of Bungie, uh, Sean. The ball's on Bungie to go to Naughty Dog. You'd be like, nope, this ain't good enough. What do you think? Yeah, so here's what I've been told. So... Oh, here we go. Exclusive, ladies and gentlemen. Break it down. I wouldn't say it was exclusive, but I would say that what I've heard is that Sony have, have recently done a review of all of their games during development. And... They've kind of evaluate reevaluated their portfolio, looking at what so that their new focus is on essentially kind of big tentpole games only from the for their own studios. And you know, quite quite a few studios were missing that mark. And you know, um the studio that they closed that were working with San Matteo. Um, that did binaries and um, the game about graffiti that came to life. What was their name? It's lost in my brain. Uh, Concrete Genie. Yes, that that studio obviously was shuttered um, as part of part of Pixel Lopus. Pixel Lopus. Thank you very much. Yes, um, and that they that Sony had sought out like so. It wasn't just Bungie; it was other studios as well that were not you know. They did like an, an overall evaluation, getting feedback from one another to see what was going on. Because obviously subscription um is is kind of a part of Sony's future. They've, you know, the despite the fact that most people claim that it's not as 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 strong as as Game Pass, that actually the new PlayStation Plus tiers are, are doing well for them, mostly because they've kind of created this water cooler moment with individual games that they really push themselves. And it's not just a big list for people to get lost in, so you don't get like that Netflix fatigue where you end up searching for a game to play rather than actually playing a game. Um, so it's it's working for them, and they want to have their own games in those tentpole positions. Um, and obviously, the feedback wasn't great. And I imagine you know it, it, I don't, maybe other studios are giving them feedback as well. Um, but you know. If, if we're looking at games that will keep people subscribed to a service, you want to keep them engaged. And that is obviously the intent with these multiplayer games, these games as a service that are coming from a lot of PlayStation studios. So it's it's interesting um, that the feedback from Bungie, because I think obviously if you're going to have feedback from anyone in that space, you want feedback from, from Bungie, you want to go and ask essentially the people that actually made the one really big first person shooter games as a service that's maintained a decade's worth of play you know you want to ask for that feedback and they got it and it wasn't positive or wasn't overridingly positive and they've changed tactic pork accordingly it, it you know i i fully agree with what Yog dog just said where probability is factions will drift off into the the sunset in a cop you know in a year's time it'll do an agent and it'll just you know they won't renew the license at some point and it'll just go off into the sunset and we won't think about it because the next big shiny thing will have been announced by Naughty Dog. So we won't be asking this question anymore. Um, so I just think it that's what it is. You know, Sony, Sony want their games to be top quality and 
this one wasn't hitting the mark. And, you know, it's not something that the Naughty Dog are, are particularly geared towards these days. They do cracking single-tip player games. Um, and maybe this needs to just go away. But we'll see. Interesting. Interesting, yeah. There seems to be a small minority of people that really wanted factions to come out. Um, but, you know, I don't know anyone that's clamoring for it. You know, I don't think anyone... At least, at least finger guns are desperate for factions to come out. And we just want another single player from Naughty Dog. Uh, I'd so, be quite happy listen. with it, but I'm also not as much in that scene anymore. So Don't I'm... downplay my point, Yog Dog. <laughs> but it's my job. God damn you. Be, I have to be contrarian. <laughs> I can mute you. I have the power. Uh-oh. No, it's all right. It's all right. I, no, that's, that's absolutely fair. It's just what I mean is like... um. If, um, like, say we were talking about what do we want to see at the showcase, I don't think anyone sort of put their hand up and went, oh, I want to see factions. You know, we were always clamoring for something brand new from the studios instead. Is what I yeah, mean. I think that's fair. And even me, I wasn't, like, super excited for it. Um, I just, I knew of it. It would have been nice. And, it, yeah, it, it's, I mm. think you raise a good point. There. I just think, like I said, like, even a, even a year ago, we only saw concept art. It was like, well, this thing's a way off. You know, we're not going to see something. And it seems that they weren't 100% with it even then. Because, you know, when Naughty Dog and Naughty Dog, if they're happy with it, we'll see it. And it's going to be awesome. And it seems like enough time has passed now where we're like, mm, maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe fashions is time to, time to put it to pasture and they can carry on with whatever it is that they're making. I wonder what the next big property is going to be at Naughty Dog. Um, considering, assuming they're doing Last of Us free, right? But uh, yeah, I don't think they're doing it right away. Though I think there's going to be something in between. Yeah, uh, I'm assuming it's not going to be Uncharted either. Well, possibly a Jack and Daxter, but I don't mm. know. But if they were to do something new, I'd be really, really interested as as to what it would be. Yeah, I mean they've shown they got the chops to 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 create new uh, new series. It'd be extremely interesting nowadays see what it could do like um... yeah there was talk i mean people found easter eggs in that first part two this could be what they just made up in their own minds but um they seem to they seem to be pointing towards a historical setting um oh. maybe for naughty dogs next game uh, something um like a period piece maybe oh, uh so again naughty dog have, have naturally said nothing uh but so we'll, we don't know for sure but um yeah it could be something in that realm to get them away from, you know, the near future of The Last of Us and the present day of Uncharted. So, who knows? It's the first of us. <laughs> the first of us, indeed, yes. <laughs> yeah. Just to go off on a tangent slightly, Easter eggs in video games are amazing. Uh, I always remember, I think it was Arkham Asylum had a Easter egg for the next game in it, and it wasn't found for absolute years. Yeah, they had the uh, the blueprints for Arkham City in mm. one of the rooms in the in Asylum. Yeah. You had to go through a tunnel to find it. It's very cool. I remember that well. Um, I don't know if there was one for Knights. I can't remember. But um, I remember finding um, the Calendar Man in Arkham Knight. I think it was where you could like, put your ear up next to a next to a uh, a wall, and you could just hear him like sing or dance and stuff. It was really creepy. There was a there was a, an Easter egg in in Arkham City for Arkham Knight. Oh, okay. Um, 
if I remember rightly, you walked over a toilet and there was like a pile of shit in the toilet. And right there was your Easter eggs for all come night. It so. wasn't that bad, guys. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't though. <coughs> it was it was fine. I'm just memeing, sorry. It's all right. All, all about the memes. Shit, but I come out all the time. Like, I liked it. I thought it was fun. I like I liked the tank Batmobile. I, I really enjoyed it. It was just absolutely so OP. It was great. I loved it. Um anyway, so yeah. Who knows what everyone's working on, but factions seems to be either getting scrapped or they're starting over. We we shall see. Whenever Naughty Dog decides to announce something, which won't be this year now, we will see. Um but Jonathan Brown, you attended a Warhammer event the other week. I did. Um tell us all about it. So uh what can I talk about and what I can't? Because some of it's under embargo, and yet some of it was talked about in the schools event. So just for everyone uh, who who doesn't know us, I love Warhammer. Um I, I climbed the tabletop stuff what? again. <laughs> I know, right? Such a huge surprise. Uh, I started collecting the tabletop and stuff again, but I've always loved the video games. Uh, and each year, uh, Warhammer does a massive event called Schools. Uh, I think they've done it for like four years or so now, where they put all their uh, games, pretty much all of their games on sale, uh, and they generally do some announcements. And there was quite a big... Uh, quite a big showcase this, this time. So first up, uh, there's a game called Warhammer 40k Speed Freaks announced, where you play as the Orcs in vehicular combat. Um, it's currently on Steam. You can request access to it. It's only like a, a very early beta or something. I think it's even alpha, not necessarily even beta. Um, so I've spoken to a few people who've played that because I haven't quite had chance yet myself and they've said it's quite fun it's quite basic but what is there is quite fun um there was a huge rts announce called warhammer age of Sig sigma realms of ruin so it's not set in their mainline 40k uh it's set in the replacement to what was warhammer fantasy um called age of sigma i think it's the first sort of big game set in this setting um, and it looks really interesting to me from the screenshots which were shown because it didn't show too much video of the game. It looks similar to a sort of the scale of a game like Company of Heroes or uh, Dawn of War 1 or 2, more 2, really. Um, it's from Frontier Developments who made Elite Dangerous. Uh, I don't know what else it made, actually. But it's a, I'm keeping my eye on that one because I've not really played too many good RTSs recently. And one set in Age of Sigmar does interest me somewhat. Uh, so that was probably the big announcement. But there was other announcements too, such as Power Wash Simulator getting a Warhammer 40k DLC at some stage. We don't know the details of what it's actually going to entail yet. Um, but I'm sure, I think, Ross, you play Power Wash, right? Oh, and that power wash. So I think you'll probably be interested in getting that at some stage. For sure, yeah. Um, there was some gameplay video of Space Marine 2, which is due out later this year, although I suspect it might get a delay, personally. Um, 
which showcases more battles with the Tyranids. So you had the Orcs in the main uh, in the first game. Uh, this this time it'll be going up against the Tyranids for the most part. Um, Dark Tide hasn't actually had the new content drop yet, but it was announced that there's going to be a new update with two maps and the Chaos Spawn was going to be added in as an enemy. Um, so Dark Tide came out like November last year. Its first few months was a bit rough, but it's still a really fun game. Uh, I think the update drops, I want to say either tomorrow or the day after. So there's a day or two until the actual content for that one drops, but it, it looks really cool. And I'm looking forward to getting my hands on that. There was a trailer for Warhammer 40k Rogue Trader, which I have to be careful what I talk about because I know more than what the trailer gave because of an event I attended and I can't, I don't know, uh, I can't quite remember which is from which. Uh, but I do know that there's a new companion which has been unveiled, which is Ulfar, who is a space wolf. Uh, so one of the famed space marines. Um, and they went through a couple uh, through a couple of the features in the game. So that's a, a CRPG. Um, so it's similar to Pathfinder, uh, which is like uh, that previous game. Uh, it was Pathfinder after Righteous. They're generally quite complicated RPGs, but they're very, very good, if a bit buggy. Um, and then there was a couple other things, like Total War Warhammer 3 got a free LC, uh, specifically the legendary hero Harold Hammerstorm, who funnily enough is what Warhammer is actually um, was first named after. Uh, people think it's after Sigmar's Warhammer from the old world. It's not, it's actually named after Harold Hammerstorm. Um, I only learned that in the last week or so. Um, but he got released into Total War Warhammer 3. Uh, Blood Bowl 3 has announced the, uh, the Lizardman will be the first team to be released. And I'm ecstatic because I love the Lizardman. Um, so that will be released at the launch of Season 1 in June. So if you do like a bit of Blood Bowl 3, then that would be something to keep an eye out for. And then uh, Warhammer 40k Battle Sector and Warhammer 40k Gladius both had DLCs released literally that day, specifically the Orcs for Battle Sector and the Firepower DLC for Gladius, both of which I've tried and I enjoy. Uh, there was a couple of other smaller announcements, uh, like Warhammer 40k Mechanicus had a vinyl soundtrack announced. So people who like vinyl, that's a really popular soundtrack in the Warhammer community. I'm sure that's going to sell like hotcakes. Uh, and then Vermintide 2 uh, had some additional levels uh, which are going to be added at some stage, which will take you back to Karak Asgaraz, which is one of the dwarf uh, strongholds. And then finally, there was a couple of card game things announced for, I think it was Warp Forge and Tacitus, but I don't really know too much about those games. So yeah, there was there was a lot on offer. So uh, I think Warhammer fans were generally pretty happy overall. Um, I know I personally was. I'm really excited for some of the releases this year, in particular Space Marine Two and Rogue Trader. Uh, and uh, yeah, it was. There's a lot of Warhammer to enjoy after after Warhammer Fest earlier this year, and I'm glad we got more to come as well. I think honestly, if you weren't happy with that list, then you really need to reevaluate your. Uh... Your fandom, because that is, it sounds like Warhammer fans are eating very well for the foreseeable. Yeah, and that's just for the video game stuff. Uh, if you go into the tabletop, 
it's not entirely uh, announced when it's going to be released, but uh, 10th edition uh, tabletop is out within the next couple of months, rumoured. So the Leviathan, uh, I think it's Leviathan uh, box set is going to be coming out, uh, which showcases Space Marines versus Tyranids. So Tyranids is actually going to be in the starter box for the first time since like 5th edition or something like that. Um, so that's going to really shake up the the tabletop because one of the problems with tabletop is uh, too many rules. It's extremely complicated. Uh, unless you're a dedicated tabletop war gamer, you're not going to know all the rules. And honestly, even they struggle. Tournaments are a slog. Whereas 10th edition does away with a lot of that, simplifies it significantly whilst keeping um like the really fluffy like uh um stuff that makes factions unique so there's a lot to look forward to with that as well um and there was the reveal recently of one of the loyalist primarchs coming back so yeah there's there's a lot to look forward to sure uh, yeah I, ju I just wanted to say how how cool it was that Apart from maybe dating simulator, Warhammer has now like a game in almost every genre. He covered multi yeah. I mean, I know they talked about bolt guns. It was first person shooter. Space Marines third person shooter. Speed Freaks is like a vehicular combat slash racing. Do you know they they just they've really gone into every single genre they possibly can. And then you look at like what we've got already. We have got like platformers with um, is it blood and. Blood and Shooters, guts, blood and teeth. That's the one. Um, so, like, they've really diversified from where they were um, because I know that there was a lot of top-down, point-and-click, small, small force, XCOMI style stuff that was doing the rounds, and and now it just seems like they've really blossomed into their own thing. So, more props to them. But I'd still want that dating simulator. <laughs> that would be pretty cool. Uh, um, give me the money. I will do it for you. I'll, I'll, I'll just I, go to I, the I bank. The I'm sure that bank will be for us. <laughs> I mean, mm. if they don't do this, they're leaving money on the table. You know, how just dating an orc, dating a space marine. You know, it's it's got it's got potential. At least I, I, I could definitely see the memes if nothing else. Warhammer. Yeah. <laughs> Oh dear! It's <laughs> blood hole, <laughs> blood hole three. <laughs> I, I think it's really interesting what they've done Sorry. with the license because uh, they were they were playing a little bit fast and loose with the Warhammer license for a few years, and you just got so many like pay to win card games or um, like mobile games, just generally bad quality and generally Warhammer video games were getting a bit of a bad rep because of it. It was starting to reflect on their bigger titles, but in the last few years, it definitely feels like they've turned it around somewhat. Uh, and there's just a, a nice breadth of titles out there. I feel like Total War Warhammer is probably one of the main reasons for that. It, it took a core, well-established property which that very... Total War Warhammer. Yeah. Yeah. Did um, you have... That sounds like Age of Empires Warhammer. 
I feel like you'd have some kind of you would go into anaphylactic shock if that sort of thing happened. <laughs> uh, no, I mean I love Total War Warhammer. The the so I think the original came out in twenty. I can't remember. If it's fifteen or sixteen. It's been out for a, a few years now, and they accidentally announced it by actually talking about it in an art book. Um, so it was kind of funny when the announcement came out for that one. Wow. But the the Total Warhammer Three is the most recent one, which merges all the various uh, parts of the map together, uh, and adds the, the few remaining factions which weren't actually in the campaign map up to that stage, as well as a new one which never, never, as far as I'm aware, actually got any tabletop miniatures, <laughs> which was Cafe, basically like Fantasy China. Um, so, it sounds yeah. like how excited I would be if there was like a Last of Us Muppets crossover. <laughs> that, that sounds awesome. I would, I would lose my mind. <laughs> That'd be great. Give us a much beaker as a clicker. You can't get any. It's just, it's just fantastic. <laughs> okay. I, I think, I'm sorry, Sean. I'm going to have to finance Ross's game here instead. Uh, I think I think he wins out. I mean, I, all, all I can see is Kermit with a like plaid tattoo down his arm, bow and arrow in hand. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I'll take it. I'll take it. You know, the Swede. Gurgy, 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 gurgy. Ellie, run. Gurgy, gurgy, gurgy. Be quiet. Hurdy, <laughs> hurdy. In the background. <laughs> Creeping around. This is a set of clickers. I'm like, hurgy, gurgy. <laughs> Oh no! Oh dear! Well done. Oh, uh, what's behind that door? The hurgy turkey tears. Uh. uh. Anyway, sorry, you're not going to miss the derail. If there's ever going to be a derailment, that was that was the most worthwhile reason. Um. Yeah, the Total War Warhammer's great. Um. And I think building up off the success of that was really helpful um before that the only really okay maybe not the only but the most notable sort of warhammer game would have been dawn of war from relic uh and that's still popular even today because of the modding scene but uh yeah ever since total war warhammer came out it's it seemed like an entirely different landscape uh, for Warhammer video games, and the last few years have been great with everything coming out. So I, I'm just hyped for both Space Marine Two and uh, Rogue Trader. I think mm. uh, the the two extremely different games. One's like a hardcore RPG, and the other's uh, a third person shooter. But I think they're both epitomize 40k and the stories you can tell in the setting. So I'm. It's going to be if they both come out this year, it's going to be a really good year. And even if they don't, I just can't wait till next year. And so, yeah, Warhammer fans have it pretty good at the minute. That that's not to say that there aren't problems. Like the models are super expensive nowadays, but like you can forgive it. I mean, mm. the, the, there's so 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 much good Warhammer stuff around. I can't stop talking how good it is. I'm just super happy. Like it's I, great, I man. That's Warhammer. great. It's glad. I'm glad because. You know, we had the issue on the uh, pod like two weeks ago where you had like no opinion on anything. 
because it was just all console based <laughs> stuff. And it's like, oh man, we need to get Young Dog talking more <laughs> on these pods. And uh, so... I am looking forward to some of the upcoming. Uh, so we did the reaction pod for the state of was it state of play or something similar? The showcase, um, yeah, the PlayStation showcase. I'm looking forward to stuff like the PC gaming show. So I think we said we'd do a pod together on that one if, for sure. Uh, yeah. if, if you had the time free. So I'm really interested to see uh, what games are going to get announced, whether they're on PC or not. It's it's fun to see what gaming is on the landscape, even if it's not stuff I'm directly going to be playing, or not necessarily. I mean, I might get. Well, you know, I mean, I am. Term. I'm kind of you know. Now I have a PC that is capable of running video games. You know, I, I am. I am curious. So yeah, it's going to be. I have missed it the last couple of years, but yeah, I'm curious to see what's coming out. So. There's always something like I see like the aftermath. I'll read up about any big stuff that got announced, and so I'm always got my eye on it. But this time I'm going to probably watch it and see what's coming because, yeah, I love my uh, I love my little gaming PC. It's a it's a little masterpiece, and so I'm uh, excited to see what's coming. So yeah, I'm more than happy to do a reaction pod to it for sure. I'm, I'd uh, I'd love to play, uh, but both God of War and its sequel, which isn't out on PC yet, the original isn't well the 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 Norse one, uh, not the original original. It's overrated. You think it's overrated? Yeah, but don't tell anyone because they get angry. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't listen to him. They are. I am. I am the outlier on this. I should. I should stress. The, the the game God of War games are masterpieces in which you could write dissertations or doctorates on. So. Please delve into them at your leisure. Yeah, you will love them. But yeah, they're just me and me and Kratos are just not friends. We just can't get on. I don't know well, why. It just doesn't work for me. Speaking of other uh, one, well, other Sony games, I did get Horizon Zero Dawn. Yes, that's the first, the first one. one, isn't it? Yeah, uh, I got that on PC now. I downloaded it. And haven't played it yet, and I've actually uninstalled because I needed space for some video recording I was doing. So it's actually <laughs> regressed my chance in playing it at the minute. Um, but Cat's going to be crushed. How I, bloody I, dare you! I, I need to play it bef- before Cat's on the pod again, so next week probably. Uh, otherwise, uh, I don't think she's going to be very happy with me. Aloy is waiting, very very patiently. <laughs> very, very patiently. Yeah, very, very patiently, apparently. <laughs> you need a lot of patience to put up with me. Yeah, no, you'll love it, man. You'll love it. It's great. It's a lot of fun. When you first see a tall neck for the first time, strolling by, you're like, yeah, okay, this game's freaking cool. So it's, um, yeah, it's it, it's a great experience. You just got to uh, just got to sit down with it and enjoy it. It's, it's, a, it's a slow build. I'm not going to lie. The first hour or so, I wonder what I was getting myself into. But once... You're past that. It's it's a wonderful experience. Would you say you prefer Zero Dawn or Forbidden West? Mm, that's a good question. I prefer Forbidden West. I think just because of the the locales were different, not massively, but one thing about Zero Dawn is that it all sort of takes place in the same area, so a lot of it looks very similar. Yeah. Um, apart from sort of like the snowy mountains and stuff, I think to be honest, I think the best. Horizon content is the Frozen Wilds, which was the DLC for the first for Zero Dawn. Okay. Um, I think it's at, the story in it is fantastic. And so I think that's the best Horizon bit, but you need to get through 
Zero Dawn first in order to unlock it. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, um, I prefer Forbidden West out of the, out, out of the two, just just because it was more ambitious and it was just you know it, it was a sequel, so it did everything the first one did, just better and more of it, you know. So yeah, they're not they're not hugely different to be fair, not hugely yeah. different um, in terms of how they play, but. Yeah, Forbidden West for me because it just went to new areas and new locales and there was new ways to traverse the area. And so that was fun. Funny, funny story here. My kids have been playing through uh, Zero Dawn and they were really stuck on this one part. And they'd seen me playing Forbidden West. And I'm like, Daddy, can, can you help me with this part? And I was like, yeah, no problem at all. And obviously, like, absolute badass um, on Forbidden West went into Zero Dawn and for whatever reason, like all the powers that I was using most of in Forbidden West weren't in Zero Dawn. So I immediately got my arse handed to me, worse than the kids were doing. And they were like, never mind, Dad. It's fine. We'll do it to self. We'll do it to <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no, no, no. I'm much better than this. Let me just get reacclimatized to this. Like the, the, the scooping and things and the bows is completely different, which I didn't even realize until I played them almost side by side. Um, but yeah, it's it, it, mm. when you play them side by side, you realize what a, it's like an un like a you don't remember them being as clunky as they were. But some of the you know aiming and stuff, and and it was it was clunky as hell in the first game. Um, so if you do bounce right off it, you know, just wait for the the PC version of Forbidden West and play that instead, and, and we'll get Cat to like lore dump on you everything you need to know about the first game. <laughs> yeah, Cat will do her own kind of. Previously on Horizon. <laughs> so we've got Kat wanting me to play Horizon, and we've got Miles wanting me to play Metal Gear Solid. Um, so I'm wondering what other games I'm going to get made to play this year. Uh, I was trying to think of some PlayStation exclusives that I generally enjoyed. Uh, if you can get a hold of Concrete Genie, that's a it, it, it's a much smaller experience, but oh, it's a lovely game. It's a lovely game. I still have my PS3. Um, so I could go and get how much is hey about one sec. I have well, it, it was it was buried next to ET, I believe. <laughs> so Hayes PS3. Uh, uh 99p by... max. Gotta be two pound ninety nine at World of Books, apparently, who don't Getting just do off. books. <laughs> Getting ripped off. <laughs> <laughs> they should pay you to take that off their shelves, really. Honestly, mm. <laughs> it's, had a, it's had a great soundtrack featuring corn, but actually the game was was worse than hot trash. So what you're saying is it was just manufactured e-waste. Um, yeah, yeah, mm. in, in not so many words, but yeah, it was shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just reading the Amazon description. Uh, it's an impeccable FPS credentials from the developers of the critically acclaimed Time Splitter series and the publishers of Ghost Recon Advanced Warfighter and Far Cry. Uh, and then the, the text for it, if I just Google it, it, just says, Haze is an absolutely brilliant story premise with its chemically dependent soldiers waging dubious wars in foreign war parts backed by shadowy or powerful, blah, blah, blah. So yeah. I remember uh, PlayStation Magazine on the front cover said, Haze, the Halo killer. Oh, no. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> not a chance, mate. Oh no! And now look at it. You yeah, can pick man. up a copy of Halo for like fifty p at the CX. Can you pick up a game of Haze for fifty p? No, 
two pound ninety nine at World of Books. <laughs> Look how the tables have turned. <laughs> oh, if you got a PS three, you might as well go down, just fall down the FPS rabbit hole. Get Mag, get Black, get all oh, the classics. Mag. I I played Mag with uh, the TSA at the time. And uh, TSA was uh, like an, a games website I used to frequent a lot of the time. It's how I met Sean, actually. Um, and yeah, I, I played a bit of Mag. I really enjoyed that. I, I preferred Bad Company Two multiplayer on PS3, but Mag was still pretty good. And it was actually Black shame. was Black was PS2, wasn't it? That uh, was yes. even before then. Yeah. yeah, it was. Yeah, I had that on um, Xbox for a while. I traded it for Blinks the Time Sweeper and I just didn't look back. God, what a fucking great game. Black's so one of those just... games that's faded into the background because of Call of Duty 4, just like every shooter before Call of Duty 4. Yeah, that thing was a monster, wasn't it? Can you remember the Call of Duty Classic Collection, which was like yes. Call of Duty 1, 2, and 3 that was like a remake? Yes, God, those, games, those games were really great until you know, Call of Duty Four, Modern Warfare kind of revolutionised the series into the ganja leaf trash talking <laughs> shit that we've got now. Mm. Um, but man, we could really do with a, a really good World War shooter battlefield if you fancy taking this up at all. <laughs> battlefield One, it was was fine, but you know we need a really what about good the. One. Like the the classic Medal of Honors were great as well, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. I I enjoyed the the other ones as well, but no tiny one. Sorry, I went War Fighter. I I loved. Me- I actually enjoyed the the modern medal, the, the first one that came out, which you got for like. I think everyone pre-ordered Medal of Honor because you got a beta code for Battlefield, the next Battlefield or something, a playtest or something. I, I can't quite remember. Yeah, that's how to sell your game, isn't it? With yeah. a beta for another one. <laughs> uh, but I I remember playing Medal of Honor Rising Sun, I think it was, on the GameCube. Oh, I love that game. And doing two-player split screen with my sister. It was great. I loved that Batman. Soldier of Fortune. Love that game as well. Never played that one. No? No. Oh, it was a good one. Back in day... Was that on GameCube or was that on PC? I played it on Dreamcast, actually. So I remember having a Dreamcast, but I don't remember a single game. From so it. it was Dreamcast, Xbox, PS2 era. Okay. Hmm. GG Rocket? Ah, uh, GG Rocket. It's online! We can play a game online! Let's do it! <laughs> over, a 50, a over a 56k modem. Yeah. <laughs> Quake 3 Arena came out for like two ninety nine because it was online. And uh, yeah, toy races as well. And that was free, I think, as well. I, can't, I think that came free with the copy of Dreamcast magazine, if I remember rightly. Oh, good times. What was everyone's first online game? Like, first multiplayer game they played online? It must have been Chuchi Rocket for me. Because I've not, like, literally, I've never had a PC that could run games ever. Yeah. The, the, the game that I could run on a PC was Championship Manager. And that was it. That was all I ever needed or wanted. You know, so it was like, um, I never played that. I don't know if the, like the 98, 1990, I don't know if they even had online components at the time. I don't think they did. So I just remember hooking up my Dreamcast 
to a 56k dial-in modem um and just having the most amazing time on the internet on my dreamcast and it was incredible it was so ahead of its time and uh yeah it, it must have been Chichi rocket i can't think of anything else i think mine's a bit later uh i suppose runescape technically count counts that was definitely the first ever time because my dad didn't let me have internet or anything um so i, I remember playing runescape at school and then I eventually was able to play a little bit at home. Uh, but when I got my PS3 and I was able to play Uncharted 2 multiplayer. So that's my first ever shooter multiplayer. Nice. Um, so, yeah, it's quite a, a bit more recent. Uh, not had as much time to to practice. I'll be a pro any day, I promise. It was, it, yeah, it was something Dreamcast for me. Either Choo Choo or Quake 3 Arena. It must have been one of the two. Um, I think I remember Virtual Tennis 2 being online as well, but I never had that able to play with because it, it was just me. I was the only one on that server for some reason. <laughs> Couldn't find anything else. Uh, Sean, do you remember yeah. the first online game? I don't remember the name of it. Um, it was, I don't know if you remember those TV channels that used to be on Sky that used to just put out just like a, an online game that was like pre WoW, but it was like a Japanese game. Um, I used to play that game. I downloaded it for free and I can't remember the name of it. Um, but it was like a subscription game. And then I guess WoW um, was maybe my first proper one that I can remember. Wow. But there was a lot of lot of games from, from way back then where you used to get them for free and then you'd have to pay nine, $9.99 a month or something for them. It makes me kind of wish uh, that Beehive Bedlam was online. Oh, fuck, man. Can you imagine? <laughs> The the soundtrack has just suddenly jumped from my subconscious. <laughs> oh man, yeah, those are the days. Absolutely, I'm pretty sure you can. I'm pretty sure you can get Beehive Bedlam today on some yeah. like the, the emulator somewhere. The, yeah. the Sky emulator, <laughs> the Sky HD emulator. I'm pretty sure it's on um the Play Store, isn't it, or Android or the App Store? Oh. Maybe. Right. Well, that's it then. After this podcast is done, you know where I'm headed. We you are sorry, guys. Games. <laughs> and Sean was never seen again. <laughs> uh, all right, let's wrap this up. Um, there was a little bit of news today. Um, in a new segment that I called News We Missed Today. Today, today, today. Uh, CD Project Red dismisses rumors that Sony may be acquiring it. Uh, CD Project Red is not for sale, the company's CEO reiterated. So there we go. Sony is not buying. War, uh, Warhammer? No, God. Witcher and <laughs> Cyberpunk creator CD Projekt Red. Um, Square Enix changed the Final Fantasy 16 UI following fan feedback and then changed it back. So, you know, there's news for you. So this is the fans, and then they didn't. Um, Tears of the Kingdom is the number one game sold for the third week in the UK. Lord of the Rings Gollum is the number six, which just shows you how many bloody people bought that game. Oh, dear. And finally, what it doesn't tell you is how many people will return it afterward. Well, yes, quite. Quite, I'm sure uh, CEX have got a lot of them stocked up in their stores right about now. And um, one for Miles, I suppose. Diablo 4 players who pull off a hardcore challenge will have their names added to a physical statue. The first 1,000 players to reach hardcore level 100 will be immortalized on a statue. There you go. So keep an eye out for that. If I tell Miles that, I think he'll probably go for it. 
We could have uh, It'll be too busy with Metal Gear Solid. <laughs> well, thankfully, Diablo 4 comes out long before Metal Gear Solid does. Miles um, will find a way. <laughs> Did you hear that um, the original Metal Gears are getting are being part of this collection as well? Um, no. So it's not just Metal Gear Solid 1, 2, and 3. It's also Metal Gear and Metal Gear 2 Solid Snake, the ones from the SNES era, I want to say. Oh, it's pretty cool. uh, talking of games that haven't aged well, they are bad. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how <laughs> see how they compare. Um, so yeah, I mean, there you go, Yog Dog. You got the full Metal Gear experience coming your way soon. I I'm not sure I look forward to it with what Sean just said. <laughs> oh no, it won't be fun, but you'll have the full experience regardless. It'll, it'll be fun for everyone watching the torture I go through, I suppose. So. Yeah. Well, I'm going to give you a couple of minutes to think of a recommendation because now it's time for recommendations. This is where we find something throughout the week that we thought, hey. We should share with you, our loyal listener, whether it be a game, a movie, a TV show, a book, a era, or a jacket. Who knows? Could be anything. Uh, Sean, what's your recommendation this week? Wagon Wheels. The chocolate Wagon Wheels! Yes. Chicken fried rice. Okay. Um, chicken fried rice is nice. The cold side of a pillow. Hell yeah. Um, and Warhammer 40k bolt gun. <laughs> <laughs> yes! <laughs> Um, which is essentially Duke Nukem. Um, if you if Duke Nukem was a train, um, <laughs> because because <laughs> that's essentially what it is. It's it's a it's a, a you know a boomer shooter featuring Warhammer 40k, where you walk around in what can only be described as a man wearing a train. It's 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 shit. It's good. It's it's all the things that you want it to be. You know, it's it's everything you remember from a kid, despite not experiencing it as a kid, which is fantastic. Um, yeah, I I highly recommend it. I have been both uh, very much enjoying it, and it, I very rarely get hyped up, like worked up by a game these days. But I'll tell you, some of this parts of this game can eat a big bag of dicks because it shoots you in a room and then chucks tons of enemies at you, and it can fuck off. Um, okay. But it's but it's it's that's how it was back in the day, you know. Mm. And I'll swear to Christ. So I've got no glasses. So I both both pairs of my glasses this last couple of weeks. So I've got no glasses until a couple of weeks time. So I genuinely can't see very well. And I'm sitting here trying to play a fucking first person shooter. And let me tell you, this is very fucking challenging. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, so so yeah um, yeah. Yeah, just go go play bolt gun. It's cheap. It's you know twenty quid, and I'm hoping that it inspires a ton more boomer shooters based on licenses for stuff that shouldn't get boomer shooters. So yeah, there you go. Like Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso boomer shooter shoots yeah. footballs and just shouts, "Fuck!" Oh, <laughs> football is there. I take it. I take it. Yeah, I would as well. Uh, Yog Dog, do you have a recommendation ready for us? Hayes. Let's do it. Uh, go, go, go spend pound fifty on World of Books, everyone. You, you, it'll be a delight for you, I'm <laughs> sure. Uh, a serious suggestion would probably be Warhammer 40k Bolt Gun. I've only played a little of it, but what I have played Jesus fucking Christ. has been great. Um, I've not really played, like, boomer shooters before and it just feels really well made 
infuriating at times, sure, but extremely well made. Um, you don't get your hands held through levels like that. It's not easily signposted. So the couple of levels I did do, it was nice just trying to find your way through by just looking where you've murdered everything and seeing, oh, I haven't gone over there yet. There's still things alive. Right, let's go murder that instead. And uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's not exactly hard to please me if Warhammer's involved. So it's like Miles or Metal Gear Solid. Um, I'm just, I'm, I'm just happy to 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 have a a well-made game in the setting, and I think Bolton definitely fits that description. So I recommend it to, to yeah, I recommend it. Can I change my recommendations? Since you've already done two. Sure. Wagon wheels. Wagon wheels are a great confection. <laughs> um, no, Beat Saber on PSVR 2. Oh, nice. It's a big step up from the first one. If you've got PSVR 2, go and play Beat Saber. They have incorporated elements of Synth Rider into this version. And um, yeah, go give it a look because um, you can't beat Beat Saber. Thank you. You can't beat Beat Saber. You, you think they'll beat... ever make a sequel or do you think they'll just keep adding to the original? Um, I I hope that they they they'd be stupid not to, you know, because essentially they they could say Beat Saber Two is essentially the same game but with loads more songs, and they'd sell loads. Yeah. Um, but I imagine they're just going to keep them, you know, releasing DLC packs, the new song packs. You know, the Queen pack came out, which is, I mean, it's Queen music. How can you not like it? Yeah, so, of um. But I, you know, for me, the the console version has always kind of struggled because you can't import your own songs and design your own bits and pieces, whereas you can on the PC version. Um, but you know, they've they've hooped me in like line and sinker. I am a sweaty mess these days because of Beat Saber and Synth Rider. Um, so yeah, I've also lost a stone in four weeks because of these VR games. So just letting you know, this is the way forward. This is the way. I've spoken. <laughs> um, I guess my recommendation is Star Wars related. Now, this is kind of an odd one because I want to link you to this, but I'm not actually allowed to. But I have discovered that if you thought the TV series Obi-Wan Kenobi was too long and too convoluted with no real story and the lack of Obi-Wan was frustrating for you, never fear because a fan has taken the six episode series and turned it into a two hour movie which you can download and watch for free again i'm not allowed to link you to it but go and find it just type everyone can have a movie into google I, i'm allowed to say that but i can't link you to it it's very strange um and just download it i watched it last night it was freaking awesome and the work that's gone into it is just really quite something and i'm just overawed by the fact that there was a story in everyone can be after all and they actually found it in this in this edit so um, go and take a look. It's great. And if you thought that Obi-Wan Kenobi as a series was too long, this will ease your troubles because it's a much more interesting version of the series, which unfortunately I didn't think was all that great. But this is a nice way to experience it if you thought the series was too long. So there you go. Check it out. I have a quick question. Yes. Have you started to watch um, Clone Wars, Rebels, or any of the other animated Star Wars shows yet? No. Okay. I think you should. Because I think you'd really enjoy them. 
Bad Batch. Yes, Bad Batch too. Yeah. What should I? What What should I start with? Clone Wars. Okay. Um, because that's where obviously kind of chronologically that's where where it starts. Um, but and then obviously everything kind of spins off from that. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely worth a watch. Um, and I watched an episode yesterday. Um, where Ahsoka, which you will know from Mandalorian, yep, um, is facing off against the Inquisitors, which you'll know from various other things that are going on right now, Ooh. and. It was just an amazing moment where an Inquisitor is attacking Ahsoka and the Inquisitor saying how badass they are because they were trained by Darth Vader and Ahsoka just catching their lightsaber. And in that moment, you realise Ahsoka was trained by Anakin. You Inquisitors are bullshit. Mm. <laughs> she, she was trained by the OG <laughs> when mm. he wasn't half cyborg. It's a so fucking good moment. It's definitely worth a watch. You should watch the animated TV shows. That's my recommendation purely to you. Because <laughs> the last time you did a recommendation to me was to watch uh, um, Taskmaster on YouTube. And that's what we've been doing. Hey, nice one. Yes, no more adverts. Thank no you. No more well, adverts. Well, very few adverts compared to Channel 4. Thank you. Well, remember, the thing against YouTube is premium. So watch it on there without adverts. Is it now? Yes. I will have to get the YouTube. <laughs> Password. Um, so I'll, I'll have a look. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Um, yeah, I, 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 I can't take adverts on YouTube. They're now just egregious and offensive in their quantity. So I did like a, I did like a three months trial of premium, and then I couldn't go back. Fair play. And then I realised that it was on the Figgy Guns account and not my personal one. So feel <laughs> free to use it if you <laughs> if you have access. <laughs> I, I got a quick question. It's yes. Taskmaster related. What's everyone's favourite season? Seven. Is that the one with Rod Gilbert? Yeah, with Rod Gilbert and Acaster. Yeah, yeah, that's my favourite one too. Yeah. yeah. It's just a masterpiece. I mean, they're all great for their own reasons, but yeah, yeah Seven really stands out. I, I don't, don't agree with the winner, but yeah, we'll talk about that another day. <laughs> I'm still working my way through, so I will get back to you on my favourites. So right, far, cool. I, I very much enjoyed um, the really awkward bloke from the in-betweeners. Oh, yeah. Um, I laughed a lot during that season. With the Paul, uh, with Paul Sinha and Lee Sanders. And yes, because everyone, I think Paul yeah. Sinha was, was incredible. The smartest bloke on that TV show was made to look like a complete doofus. And <laughs> it was fantastic. Thank you. I'm invisible. Yeah, I remember that one. <laughs> Wait, oh my god, he's hiding in the, the just box. sat around. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Looking like he was about to be part of an advert, asking for money to build a well. <laughs> just, <laughs> oh my god. Yes, very good. Anyway, anyway, um, yeah, I'll always recommend Taskmaster. It's a, it's a wonderful work of art and um a great tonic to the rest of the world right now um but that's it ladies and gentlemen we've managed to stretch this podcast out bloody hell um thank you very much indeed uh for listening if you do want to follow us you can you can follow us absolutely everywhere just go to the link tree in the description below to find us in all the places if you want to follow us on twitter you can at fngrgns if you want to follow us individually all of our handles are in the description below except for miles of course who's smart and not on twitter if you really like what we do why not follow our patreon 
For one dollar a month, that's about 73 pence at the moment. You can keep this podcast live on its various podcast hosting services and keep the website fingerguns.net nice and shiny. But that is it from us. Don't forget, coming up very soon, we do have live reactions to the Xbox Showcase, the PC Gaming Showcase, Summer Game Fest, maybe if someone does it, because I can't do it, but hopefully someone else will. And all the showcases that are coming up, it is moving very slowly into gaming season, and we are very, very, very excited about it. But until then, it is goodbye from Jonathan Brown himself, Yog Dog. Goodbye, everyone. I don't think Warhammer's been spoken on this podcast more than no, it was so. this week, and I'm very happy about that. It's nice to mix it up every now and then. Me too. <laughs> and it's goodbye from the FFG, Mr. Sean Davies. Bye, Hayes. By Hayes, ladies and gentlemen. Keep physical media alive. <laughs> oh, I've just seen what you've written in the chat, your dog, and we you have you have got some opinions on things. My I, god. I, I do, I do. Um I'm not gonna talk about it right now, but fuck me. <laughs> for future video. Yes, I think we need to do a special, just me and you. Sat down. This is just an intervention. We need to talk. Wouldn't be the first time. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that bombshell, it's time to end. Thank you very much for listening. I've been Roscoe. We'll see you next time on the Finger Guns Podcast.